Hi there, welcome to another episode of Lost and Founder. I'm thrilled to be back. Uh, sorry, it's been a little bit of a delay again since since our last episode, but I, I thought we're just nearing the end of February now, and I wanted to talk about the journey we've been on at Go Squared over several years, and to be precise, over 16 years. Because earlier this month, at the start of February, Go Squared turned, well, Go Squared celebrated its super sweet 16, as some might say. If anyone's a fan of the MTV hit show, then the cel- celebrations were pretty, pretty similar to that. No one got a hammer though, and no one got a big dress to the wall, but uh, we had a good time. In fact, we partied by putting out a lovely blog post. And if you've read that blog post already, then forgive me because this episode of the show might be quite familiar, but I thought most people in the world probably haven't read that blog post. So seeing as this is episode 15 of Lost and Founder, I thought we'd do eight of those 16 lessons on this show. And then in episode 16 of Lost and Founder, we'll do the other eight. So we'll finish with lesson 16 of 16 Years Ago Squared on episode 16 of Lost and Founder. In terms of the lessons that we can look forward to learning about from all of the mistakes and fun and all of the big journey we've been on at Go Squared, we, we, we actually broke those 16 lessons into four blocks. And the first two I wanted to talk about in this show, or well, the first two blocks of lessons in this show, I wanted to talk about four lessons we've, we've kind of picked up along the way around ideas and building software or building anything really. And the other four lessons I wanted to talk about were around customers and how to treat your customers, how to find customers, how to build a business with customers that hopefully enjoy and like what you do. And then in in the next episode of Lost and Founder, we'll cover the other eight lessons, which if you if you want to go read the post you can catch them then but otherwise we'll talk to talk about them next show so yeah for this show hope that sounds good and uh, we'll dive right in let's go the first lessons i wanted to share with you all around ideas and building now when we started go squared when jeff jt and i were all at school we started it primarily because we all really enjoyed making things. We love designing, making, programming. And I think a lot of people get started in in the world of internet business and, and building an online company who who love who love creating things. And I, I think the internet offers such a an incredible opportunity for anyone who feels creative to uh put their creations out into the wider world. And for many it offers the best way possible to monetize those creations. And so it seemed highly relevant to, to start our lessons from, from on, on the focus around, on the ideas, the focus, the topic of, of ideas and building. So first lesson, which you may have heard all these lessons before, but I hope that them coming from me is vaguely interesting and, and more helpful with the context of, of how they apply to us. But I, the first lesson really is to build something people want. And this motto is the, the, the motto of one of the most successful startup incubators in the world, which is Y Combinator, which led to companies, including Airbnb to come out of. But the, the, one of the challenges when you enjoy making things is 
you can sometimes put things into the world because you enjoyed making them. But that doesn't necessarily mean anyone's going to enjoy using them or buying them or, or that anyone needs them. And, and I think for anyone out there who loves making and wants to start a business, this is a really, really important lesson to bear in mind. And uh, we've made this mistake countless times over our 16 year history so far. But I think one great way to avoid building something that nobody wants is to make sure you don't spend too much time building before you talk to people who might be buying it or wanting it. And so getting outside or at least getting on calls with people who might be relevant users or customers of your product is, is a really, really sensible idea and really critical and truly warrants number one on our list of lessons learned. Our second lesson kind of nicely follows on from the first in that a, a key way to build great things and to build things people want is to share your ideas and share them without fear that they might get shot down or to, to share them and see what comes back. And uh, I think as we've grown as a team, what we've increasingly realized is that is that ideas can start very in a very fragile state. And if you want to harness a culture where ideas not only survive, but thrive and where your team and everyone on the team is encouraged to truly bring themselves to work and do great creative work. You have to treat ideas incredibly, incredibly carefully as if they are fragile things that may get crushed or broken. And, and, and I, I think fostering a culture where people feel free to share ideas, even crazy ideas is a, is a critical aspect of building a, a creative team and a, a team that feels safe and, and, and the safer everyone feels with sharing ideas. I think the more, the more exciting it can get as a creative uh, workplace. And this is easy to say, but very hard to do often, far too often. Ideas sound difficult, or there's reasons to not do an idea, or there's a reason why an idea might not be front of mind today. But if you're too quick to shut down those ideas or to quibble with them or to criticize them, it can have a much more dangerous long-term effect on people where people don't feel comfortable sharing their ideas anymore. And if that happens, then you start to drain the brain of the company and you start to lose that creative spark, that energy that can be the difference between a small team succeeding or, or failing. Often as a small team, all you have is creativity and ingenuity and uh, holding that dear to your heart is uh, I think something that I will always do. So yeah, feel free to share early and share often your ideas. Another way to really enhance creativity within your team can be to look at applying constraints. Now, a lot of us have been really stuck over the last few years being at home and, and being in a remote environment. And I think at times it's been very hard to truly be creative and uh, come up with fresh ideas when you're in the same surroundings, but trying to find ways of being creative is, is a real, a real art actually, I think. And one of the best ways I think to be, be creative is to often apply constraints to a project, often artificial constraints. Those may be time related or looking at things through a different lens. But I, I think from what we've seen, some of the best projects we've done and some of the most progress we've made 
has been from applying extremely harsh time constraints to projects. So we've done many hack days in our time. We've even done a hack hour once, and it's incredible what people can achieve in such a short space of time. So sometimes if you're really struggling to make progress on a project and it feels like you just need more time, try changing it up, try flipping it the other way around and see what happens if you give yourself an almost stupidly tight constraint on, on one aspect and see what creative ideas that breeds. Now I am definitely a self-confessed design nerd. One of my favorite designers is a, it's a furniture designer mid-century and they're called Charles Eames or Charles Ray Eames actually. And Charles Eames had a quote that was the details are not the details. They make the product. And for me, this just speaks to exactly how we've approached building software at GoSquared and that often the world is very caught up in feature checklists and who's got the most stuff. But I think all of us, even if we can't necessarily articulate it, appreciate well-crafted things, whether that's the phone we use, the app we use every day, or the glass of the glass we use to drink water from, or the cup we drink our mug of tea from in the morning. And I think I've always believed that people can appreciate a well-made product, whether that's physical or, or virtual and, and to really make sure we pay attention to the details whenever possible and to, to obsess over details sometimes that no one will necessarily go out of their way to notice or to talk about, but that we know are the right things to do. And by doing that, you put something better into the world. And uh, I think uh, that's sometimes worth bearing in mind as a anyone who's doing, doing any software work or building a product. I don't think caring about the details is ever a wasted, ever wasted energy and hope more people continue to think like that as we move forward. When we started GoSquared, we built a product that satisfied our own needs. Uh, we really had a really clear understanding of what we wanted and we built something to solve that problem for us. And I think that's often. Uh, what causes a lot of people to get started building things. And uh, I think, I think it's a really good approach to have for a lot of products, especially software products, because you understand the needs in the space often uh, better than a lot of other people. And so it can be a really great way to build a great product, but I think it's important to make sure over time, you don't lose that closeness to the problem you're solving and the way people experience your product. So try to keep finding ways of being your own customer. Now, as time goes on, often what happens is you become uh, a bigger and bigger user of your own product, but you rarely go through that experience of being a new customer or seeing what it's like to just start using the product. You build up so much knowledge about your own product. You may forget what it's like to be a new user. So we continuously try to make sure we keep being our own customer and uh, a really good way to action this is to try and sign up for your own product or use your own product as if you're a new user every uh, on a really frequent basis maybe it's weekly or maybe it's every month so for instance if that's if you're running like an e-commerce store maybe try just buying 
a product from yourself uh, and seeing how it would come packaged and how you would open it. Or if you're running a SaaS business, try just signing up for a new trial and seeing what the experience is like from the get-go. It can be a really, really helpful way to make your product better for everyone. A really profound lesson I picked up when reading a piece from the founder of Shopify, Toby Lutke, he talked about a concept called the trust battery. And ever since I came across it, it has really highlighted and exemplified, I think, how, how I've always thought about building customer relationships, but does a far better job than I ever could uh, on, on, on articulating it. And the idea is that if you think about every customer as having a, a battery that is filled with trust, not power, but trust, just like your phone battery, but over time and every interaction they have with your business, that battery is either getting charged or it's getting drained. And so when you try cheap gimmicks that might trick users, you start to drain that trust battery. Or when you tell them something that you don't deliver on, you drain that trust battery. But when you deliver an exceptional experience, maybe go out of your way to really please a customer, you charge that trust battery. And uh, I think bearing that in mind helps you build really long lasting customer relationships and ultimately build a, a better, longer lasting business. And, and so we always try to think about that with every approach we have, whether it's on marketing or on sales, customer success, or decisions in the product. How can we keep charging the trust battery and, and avoid draining it at all costs? Perhaps quite in line with thinking about the trust battery. Another lesson that I think I've always taken to heart is, is to really treat your customers as smart people and to not uh, mis misinterpret or misunderstand them or to treat them as anything other than smart people. And I, I know that might sound a little bit crass, but sometimes it's easy to think that customers don't get it or they don't understand what you're about or they don't understand the new thing you've built. But I think that's a really dangerous and slippery slope because most people are smart and they've, well, they've clearly been smart enough to come and use your product or buy from you. So they, those are the people you want to be attracting and keeping and attracting more of. But often it's easy to underestimate how, how much people actually have time for your company and your brand and your product in their daily lives. And so often it's not about whether or not a customer is smart. It's about whether or not they've got a lot of other things going on in their life and your business and your product is likely a very, very small part of it. So remember, try and keep reminding yourself that your customers likely are really smart people, but they've got a lot going on as we all have. And to just bear that in mind when having interactions and helping them out, they're smart and they probably just don't have enough time to understand or pay attention to whatever your latest uh, release is. Keep that in mind. And I think it will help you treat customers with the respect that they almost certainly deserve. The last of our eight lessons for this episode is really around treating customers as unique, but also making sure you have a scalable process. Now, this can be a really difficult thing because when you start out, you likely only have very few customers. You may only have one, if any. And, and, and so we've always felt very good about treating every customer as, as carefully as possible, as uniquely as possible. 
But as you grow and as you scale, you may end up with tens of customers, maybe hundreds, maybe even thousands of customers. And so it's really important to try and find a balance of treating each customer uniquely and with care, but also to make sure you have scalable processes and systems in place. Because the last thing you want to do as a founder or as a team is be spending 100% of everyone's time dealing with your customers. Because then you're not making your product better. You're not looking for more customers. You're not servicing their needs necessarily as well as you can. So finding scalable processes that help deliver that care, that, that, that uniqueness for each, for each customer, but, but making sure that, that those, those processes do scale so your team can be as efficient as possible is really, really important. And so finding ways to deliver that, whether that's new tooling, new processes, new um, systems, finding ways of delegating the right tasks and finding ways to prioritize the needs and urgency of different customers and different situations all can really help continue to deliver great customer experiences, but also make sure your team can get their, get their work done and be as productive as possible. So there we have it. That's our first eight of 16 lessons from 16 years of Go Squared. I hope you found those helpful. I could probably spend all day talking about each of those, but if you've got any thoughts on any of those, if you disagree with any of them, if you think we should have added another in there that we missed or that we didn't think of, I'd love to hear from you. And I'll link to the blog post and our timeline in the notes so you can see the full history of Go Squared if you're that interested or bored then i hope you'll enjoy that and i look forward to the next episode which will be episode 16 and we'll go through the other eight lessons from our journey so far so it's good to be back and i look forward to speaking to you soon thanks for listening and see you then